Shall we begin? everybody welcome to a brand new episode of the frankie francisco podcast today i have a special guest he is an author he is not only an author but he is an author of a number one release on kindle uh number one release in pro development i'd like to introduce everybody to mr joe templin how are we doing today joe frankie i'm doing awesome i'm glad to be here with you my friend so now one of the things that i've read uh, when, uh, you know, doing my research on you was, is you consider yourself to be a Swiss army knife. So by definition, please explain that to my audience. Okay. So a Swiss army knife is meant to be the ultimate multi-tool. I actually carry one with me at all times, partially because of how I was raised. Uh, as General Mattis says, always carry a knife. You might need to kill someone or there might be cheesecake. So you know, the warrior monk with some excellent insight there. But I have a very diverse background. I mean, I started college at 13 because my parents said 12 was too young. I studied applied physics. I built weapons for the government. I'm an ultra marathoner. I'm a special needs parent. I've done financial planning. I helped write the CFP exam. I've consulted to thousands of businesses. I've coached thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of individuals. I'm a former world champion in Taekwondo. I write training books. I wrote Everyday Excellence that we'll talk about. I write poetry. So I, I can cook. I can't dance. Um, I don't call myself a Renaissance man because I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. So I know my limitations. And as you can see, I've got a face made for radio. So, I mean, just the plethora of just things you've accomplished in your lifetime. It's amazing at such a young age. You're still a young guy. It's not like you're in your 80s. You know what I mean? You're still, you know. I'm, I'm 3019. So. <laughs> you're still young enough uh, to, you know, keep investing in yourself and what you're doing now. Uh, so the book, Everyday Excellence, give us a breakdown of this book and let us know why this is your baby right now. And, and what, it, what it meant to you to be able to write this book out to, for the public. So what this is, is it's a daily reader with wisdom from across the ages that has a daily action. Because there's all these daily readers out there that you read them and it's all theoretical or it's not connected with reality in a lot of ways. So what I did is I used a quote from somebody, you know, it could be uh, Bruce Lee, could be uh, Albert Einstein, you know, it could be Oprah Winfrey to start the day. And then there's discussion around it. And I say that this is a multivitamin for life, because if you look, all of us have multiple parameters that are important to us, our personal health, our mental health, um, our occupation, our relationships, uh, our careers. So what we do is I go into depth and I talk about the concept behind that quote and give people a lot of guidance across di these different areas. But then there's an action item, something that they have to do that day that turns around and helps solidify some of the discussions and lessons of that day and helps make them and the people around them better. 
So for example, my favorite action item, which is sort of stupid, really, if you think about it in some ways, but it's actually really smart, is to smile at five people today. And the reason why is when you smile at somebody, it decreases the cortisol in your system. So it reduces your stress. Cortisol is one of the things that creates inflammation in the body and helps compound sickness. So by decreasing your cortisol, you're actually making yourself healthier. You're also increasing your dopamine, which for the next five to seven minutes makes you more intelligent, more uh, attractive, and more creative. So you're increasing your capacity to uh, succeed for the next several minutes. And when you smile at somebody else, you fire up what's known as mirror neurons in their neocortex. So I smile at you. See, you, you can't really resist it. It takes effort. So now you're smiling and laughing. And the fact that you're laughing, that's even better because you're producing all sorts of better happiness hormones in your system. So for the next 10 minutes, you're going to be more intelligent. You're going to be happier. And so I've given you a gift of health and happiness. And if you smile at five people throughout the day, you don't know how that's going to ripple through the community and everybody's going to be slightly better off for it. So that's one example of a small thing that ends up having major results. As Xenocytium, the founder of Stoicism said, well-being is no small thing, but it's made up of small steps. And this is an example of one of the small steps that people can take to make themselves and the world around them have greater well-being. So when you say when you say it's a uh, professional development, what is the difference between your typical self-help book, your typical, Hey, I'm just playing devil's advocate because yep. you have people who have self-help books that are, you know, self-development, but yours is professional development. So what is the difference between those, uh, those two genres? Uh, quite frankly, I don't know. I think that they put it into professional development for whatever reason, because our professions should be a reflection of who we are. Excellence is like discipline. It's a cross-functional attitude in a lot of ways. And so if you're embracing more excellence in your relationships and your communication, whether it's with your significant other or your kids or your coworkers, that's going to naturally have an impact on your performance at work, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you do unless you're a sniper, because I guess you're not supposed to talk then. Uh, sorry, I was talking with some special forces buddies earlier today, so I'm still thinking about it. So you perform better because of that increase in communication. So what in professional development, very often it's all about the skill sets specific to that particular profession. But the most important component of success in business comes down to the individual and the will sets that change them and give them a tactical advantage against their competitors because they work a little harder. They work a little smarter. They're more passionate about what they do. They're more balanced so they can draw concepts from other areas that enhance their capabilities within their core work function. So I think that's one of the reasons why it was classified as professional development, because it's very difficult to measure how much better we are as a human being. You know, okay, we can look at our body fat potentially, or how much faster we can run, or how many more miles we can run, 
or uh, things like that, or community service hours volunteered, but it's in the business world where it's much easier measured. So what was the epiphany for you though, to write this? So what was the spark? I mean, was it a culmination of different things before you decided I need to put pen to paper because this is something I need to put onto the public? How did this develop and how long did it take you to develop this book? I'm glad that you asked the how long because the entire idea of the book took me 40 years, but then about four seconds. <laughs> and so as I was saying, you know, learning more, I'm a sponge for information. And when I was like 10 years old, I told my mom I wanted to learn everything there was to know. And she said, well, get to work. So that's the sort of encouragement my mom, the former nun, gave me. So I constantly learn things from all sorts of different areas and arenas to improve myself. And I was down in my weight room, thrown around the kettlebell, listening to some Black Sabbath. And I think I had Jocko Willink uh, doing a speech on uh, the other device. And uh, he was talking about stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Excellence is a habit. Habits take practice. You need to do them every day. Wang. All of a sudden I had, you know, the lightning bolt. Everyday excellence. I put down the kettlebell, ran upstairs and brain barfed out the concept for the book and the structure of how every day was going to be. So that 40 plus years of learning, growing, developing, putting things into my mind, you know, constantly trying to maximize myself. But then in that instant, I had the concept. So I sat down, brain barfed it out. And then it took me roughly six months to write the book because I wrote every single day it became a habit. And so I literally used James Clear's habit stacking concepts to make sure that every single morning I'd get up, I would dump out what was in my brain. I would have my cup of coffee while I turned on the coffee pot because it was ready to go for the day. I would get anything out of my brain. I would then go and read for a couple of minutes. I'd read the Daily Stoic uh, or something like that. And then I would go and work out for 20 minutes to really activate my mind and body. And then I would sit down and I'd write for at least two pages of the book, two different days. I would write and then I'd get up and go work out again. And then uh, depending on my structure for the day, I could come back and write more or I would write around breaks at work or later in the evening. But doing that structure let me to write the book. Uh, it took about a thousand hours over a six month period. So, and all in all, there's always going to be issues when you're doing a project like this. So for you, what was yeah. the biggest, what was the biggest pain point for you in writing this book? What I, did you have any writer's block? Was there instances where you just got sick of writing and just left it alone for a little while? Um, how did you stay consistent? I mean, there's going to be times where you just don't want to write. Yeah. And as Stephen King says, you know, difference between an amateur and a professional is a professional does their job even when they don't feel like it. So other than uh, there were a couple of days when I had back injury, I literally could knock out of bed or I was uh, out of my mind on uh, uh, relax, muscle relaxing for a day. Or when I was doing my um, Ragnars, which are 200-ish mile team relay races. So if I was traveling for a race, I did fully right every day. But other than that, I just pounded through this. One of the things that I discovered is that I cannot write for more than about four hours per day. And I can't write for more than about 90 minutes in a session. 
That's about my max capacity. So I could write for an hour, but then I'd have to go do something else. I'd have to have meetings for work. I'd have to go for a run. I'd have to work out in some capacity. I'd have to go do something else to allow my brain to reset. Mm -hmm. And then I could come back to this task and be able to work on it again. So one of the things that I got very good at is called the Pomodoro method. Uh, Pomodoro, Italian for tomato or uh, yeah, for a tomato, because uh, the old timers looked like a tomato. (laughs) And so what I would do is I would sit down uh, at some point, I would set my alarm for 20 minutes and I would just focus and plow through at max capacity for 20 minutes. And then at the end of that time, the timer would ring, I'd finish the sentence. I was done for a little bit. I'd go do other things, but allowing me to take chunks of a massive project like this and break it down into little things like that gives you consistent momentum and momentum is a very important thing because once you start working out every day and you do it for like two, three months, you get into that rhythm. Once you start practicing your instrument for every day for three or four months, you get into that rhythm. So by the time I was about halfway through the book, I really found my stride, uh, both in terms of my writing structure Mm -hmm. to be able to be effective with it, but also the power of the writing itself. But how many drafts did it take? Because I know you, I mean, you were just pouring everything onto the paper. I mean, how many, how many proofreads, how many edits did it take? How long, you said it took six months, but within that six months period, how many rewrites of the book did you have to do? So what I did is I would every single day be reviewing at least one day's previous page, even while I was writing. Mm -hmm. And I came up with all the quotes throughout the entire year, the arc of it uh, first after I wrote a couple of pages. So that way I could go and just be able to sit and write as opposed to doing research on quotes for half the time. So I did that. And then after I finished the first month, what I would do is I would send off that month to about a half dozen people who are really close to me. And so I was in the editing process while I was still writing. So this is very different from somebody like writing fiction where you're writing a story arc and you're writing the whole story and you have to complete the work before you get into the iterations. This was more like software where you're testing for bugs on different components of it while you're still writing new code. Well, with the book doing so well, I mean, you have such an elaborate career. I mean, you've, I mean, the things you've done, why haven't you turned that into another book? Why haven't you put pen to paper on something like that with your experiences because I mean, this this was your this was your epiphany with this book, but you also have a plethora of knowledge, finance, uh, military weaponry. I mean, you marathon and you can write a whole book on being a marathoner. Like, yep. why haven't you turned that into into a series or or more books uh, down the, the pipeline? Well, I did write several books specifically to teach uh, people in business. So, in fact. Uh, while I was editing this book after it was fully complete, I actually turned around and I wrote an entire another 180 page business book because I was working on that business book a little bit when I had the idea for this one. So I literally put that one up on the shelf, worked on this baby. And then when we got into just the pure editing phase on this, I actually pulled the other one out. And so that was my 
rest from doing all the hard work associated with this. Because Ryan Holiday said that when writing a book is like running a marathon. So you run this marathon, you leave everything on the course, you finish, you cross the finish line, they bring you on over and you think that they're gonna give you your finisher's medal and you get to go and rest and they lead you to the start of another marathon. And that's the editing, marketing, promotion, all that sort of stuff that is as much or even in my opinion, harder than writing the book because I've been living a lot of the precepts and concepts in this book. This is in a lot of ways, things that I've done to be able to do ultra marathons or be a world champion in martial arts or to cope with being a special needs parent or to build a million dollar business. So there, all the learning lessons and concepts that I've applied in my life are streamed throughout the book and there's examples. And so that will actually, to me, it was much easier than, oh, I got to go tweet now. And I got to, I mean, you know, I was looking at social media stuff with the social media coordinator earlier and we're putting together a marketing program. It's like, uh, this stuff I hate. So it's buckling down and doing that component. Well, I would never be, I'm not a marathoner and I don't have a marathoner mentality because I've worked on three books that I haven't even finished. I've done four or five chapters. I get, you know, I have uh, like what I like to call adult ADHD. So I'll start working on something and set it aside. The podcast is probably the one thing that I've been ultra consistent with because I love talking to people like you. People who have careers that are extraordinary, people who have done things with their life that, you know, that needs to get out there and needs to get said. It's a beautiful thing. Um, Well, you got to get your thing out there too, man. Okay. So like either put in your schedule for like 15 to 20 minutes of writing per day and just sit there and pound it out. So like sometimes when I was writing, I would go into the other room and all I would take is the computer and I would turn off the internet. So I had no distractions. Mm -hmm. Other times I would uh, be blast music or whatever, or, you know, I like, okay, I need to go research a bunch of quotes. So what I would do is I would take uh, my kid's tablet and go and search with that because of the parental locks on it. I could go to Google, but all I could do is research like literature and stuff like that. So mm. there was no way for me to get distracted. So establishing these parameters around it, understanding our weakness with that ADHD, which can also be a superpower, understanding that, how do we work within the constraints of it to consistently move forward towards achieving that goal? Well, for me, I have, I have five children in the house. So me finding time to myself is extraordinary in itself if it tends to happen. So uh, <laughs> typically I got three, so I understand. My, typically my podcasts are done after the kids are in bed. And then that's why I'm able to have these conversations the way I'm able to have them. Um, but yes, consistency is true. I, and I think, you know, being consistent leads to productivity. And I think a lot of people are not consistent in what they do. So their productivity slips. You know what I mean? They, they don't find they don't find that thing that, you know, that sparks them. They don't find that thing that keeps them going. And I think that's what's missing a lot in, right now with people. People are just they, they feel beat down. They feel defeated. You know, gas prices are, are all time high. You yeah. have, you know, you know, people are, are it's the great. People are uh, tired. They are. People are very tired. People are quitting jobs now because they know what their worth is now. So things are, you know, it's a it's a different mold than what it was a couple of years ago. But we have to find a way to overcome that. You know what I mean? The middle class is not the middle class anymore. No. It used to be the middle class, but now middle class is actually considered 
poor, you know, we're considered underclass, you know, it's just finding ways to overcome situations where you, but you have a lot, a, a lot of more people right now that are starting their own businesses. Yep. It's a big trend that's happening right now because people want to be their own boss, but you have to be consistent when it comes to that too, because you can start a business and within six months, your business is shut down because you were not educated enough. You didn't know what or you Or the other thing is people are not ready for the freedom. And Jocko Willing talks about discipline equals freedom. And so when I'm working with young professionals building careers, it's like, you need to have the discipline. You need to eat the frog every single day. Okay. What's the one thing that you hate the most about your business that you have to do? You accomplish it. So like, I hate picking up the phone to call people or to schedule new appointments via email or whatever. In fact, I hated it so much that when I was in grad school, I did not have a phone in my apartment for three plus years wow. until my now ex-wife made me get one. Okay. I hated the phone so much that I would literally get shakes before picking up the phone to call potential clients in the office. And so what did I do? I practiced it. I mastered it. I learned to use uh, music to help motivate me beforehand. So I have one song that basically is my flip the switch song. It's like mm. my walk up music. I can hear just the opening strains and I'm ready to perform. So I did all those tricks so that when I actually picked up the phone, I was got to the point where I was incredible at it. And the reason why is I wanted to minimize the time doing it because if somebody else had to pick up the phone 30 times to get four appointments and I could do it in picking up the phone six, mm -hmm. well, that means that I don't have to have those other 24 getting hit in the face sort of experiences of something that, you know, literally gives me the shakes. So maximizing your efficiency and just saying, all right, this is the worst part of my day. I hate this the most. This is eating the liver before I can have dessert. So I go and do that, do that worst thing, face the fear, eat the frog, as I say. And then the rest of the day is more fun. I get to do the things that I enjoy, talking to people, interacting with them, analysis, writing, you know, all the fun stuff. But if I don't do this one thing, I can't do that. So for business owners, one of the things that I tell them is figure out what that one thing is to drive your business that you need to do every single day and get it done as quickly as you possibly can. So how if did you, you have, go ahead. So how did you overcome the whole not wanting to do media, social media? Because social media can be a pain in the behind for a lot of people, especially yeah. when it comes to promotion. So are, you have a team behind you that's helping you with this, correct? I've got a very small team. I've got a couple hours a week from a couple of friends who are helping me out with it, but I still have to do it. So I'm still writing the microblogs. So if you go to the website uh, five or six days a week, there's a microblog. It takes about one minute to read. I tweet it, you know, a half dozen times a day. I do the other components. So I hate it, but I still do it. So I just suck it up and go as my mom taught me because I want what's on the other side. As Frederick Nietzsche said, if a man has a strong enough why, you'll overcome any how. So I want to get this message out there. I want to impact 10 million people this year with what I've learned and help them grow themselves because the best investment that you can make is in yourself. So if I can reach more people and help them and bend the curve of their future so it's more pointed up, so that they have more success, that they're healthier, that they can have better relationships, they can spend more time with their family and friends. If I can do that, that's worth the pain of what I have to go through because the mission is that important. 
you know, I believe in a lot of ways I was put on this earth to help serve other people. And this is one of the most powerful ways to do that. Because if I can help these young professionals be more successful in their career, if I can keep a couple of families from getting divorced because they've worked on the relationship, if I can help people grow their small business so that they can employ more people that helps their communities. If I can help people, you know, stretch and to be able to do something athletically that they hadn't considered before, then I'm helping them out and they can uh, attempt things that they weren't going to attempt previously. So all these little micro impacts, when you add them on up, this is why we were put here. This is why you're podcasting so that you can reach this broader audience and help make their lives better. Well, that that's exactly why I'm podcasting because you know, during the day, I speak to people every day. I speak to people, you know, from different walks of life. So it was an easy transition for me to get on the mic and start talking to people. But the reason I chose this path is to talk to people like you is because enough, a lot, there's so much talent out there that's not being cultivated and not being promoted out there that I wanted to give, put the shine on, on other people. I wanted other people to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm talented. Look at me, give me a chance, you know, see my, the product that I can put out there listen to my music or, you know, I'm creating a movie. Creating is hard. People don't understand that. That is not an easy thing to even podcasting. Yep. It is not an easy thing to do because you have to be consistent in, in what you're doing. You have to try to put out the best product that you can put out and you have to have a passion. You have a passion for running. You have a passion now for, for writing because you're consistent with it. You may not have had it at first, but now you, you know, you're constantly writing now. So sometimes you're not even thinking about what you're doing. It's like me when I'm talking to people. As soon as I get into a conversation with somebody, I just take off. It's just a natural thing for me. Um, but I think people, just like you said, consistency is a key to everything that we do. Where can people find your book? Is there, is it just Kindle or uh, can they find it uh, Amazon? Can they find it a uh, paperback? Yep. Where's they can the find Google? it on Amazon. They can find it at Barnes and Noble, you know, basically any bookstore. Uh, it's on Kindle. You can find it at my website which is everyday-excellence.com. That's everyday-excellence.com. So you can go there and read the micro blogs, but you can also uh, purchase books and stuff like that. Also, if they follow me on uh, Twitter or Facebook, those are both at EDE with Joe, at EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. You know, I'm constantly putting stuff out there so people can get those tiny little hits so that it improves their day and gives them a slightly better micro decision and basically either kicking the pants or pat on the back so that they can have a slightly better uh, day and impact others that way too. So I share even more than what's in the book in those various channels to help more people be able to achieve their goals and greatness. Now, with the book doing so well and being number one on Kindle, is are you at some point going to do any readings? Are you going to, you know, uh, go to a bookstore, have any signings, you know, meet and greet, talk to people? I, book I would actually love to do that. I'm putting together a couple of talks that are loosely based on the book. Um, before COVID hit, I actually was speaking to uh, people in the industry, financial services and uh, human resource management, a couple of other ones, um, probably twice a month. And I had signed a couple of deals to start speaking twice a week and then COVID hit and shut everything down. So I'm actually looking at how I can do some virtual things so that mm -hmm. I can reach people across the country and also showing up to do book signings and be able to do 
uh, live talk so that people can interact and ask their questions and we can add even more value to people. So at some point we might be able to see you on a TED talk, right? Actually, <laughs> I am probably doing a TEDx talk uh, this fall. Look at that. We're in, see, like, like, we're in I discussion even, I right now. Like, so, see, I already know it. See, see, I didn't even have to even have to think about it. Just based on the knowledge you have, I, I already knew TED Talk was coming up next. So, but it, I, listen, it's a beautiful thing what you're doing. Um, you're ultra talented in in just the sheer, you know, things you've accomplished in your lifetime. You're not even done yet. So, is there going to be a follow up to this book? Since you already know this book is doing well, is there going to be a sister book accompanying this? Uh, actually, I've got a couple of more books that I want to write that have ideas of drawing wisdom from different sources and boiling it down to people in different capacities. So eventually I'll write Everyday Excellence too, which will have the same structure, different quotes so that people can flip flop back and forth with it. But I've got two or three other ways that I'm playing with to be able to bring out to people to help draw out their excellence in different capacities. So do your kids motivate you a lot to, to do what you're doing now? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that I've done is I've tied my goals to my kids because I told them if I hit certain uh, sales goals that, uh, well, I'll actually just put it out there. If I make New York Times bestseller list mm -hmm. that we're going to Disney World. And nice. so every couple of days, my 11 year old's like, Hey, Ta, have you done it? Have you done it yet? So that creates this feedback loop and this impetus because he's a cute kid. I don't want, how am I yeah. going to tell him? No, yeah. your father did not do his job and disappoint, you know, that kid. Yeah. So yeah. it's, that's like one of the feedback mechanisms that people who are in business for themselves should consider employing is finding that squeaky wheel, find an accountability partner. And one of your kids can be one of the best accountability partners ever, because he literally asks me every couple of days, if I've hit that goal. Yet. That, Hey man, listen, that's a good goal to have hitting the New York, uh, uh, New York times bestseller list. That's just, that'd be amazing if it happens for you. And I, and I wish you continued success. Um, I'd love to have you back on at some point. Um, but I appreciate you coming on, man. It was a great conversation. You have so much energy, man. Your energy is through the roof, man. You just, it's infectious. It makes you want to just go out there and, and do a marathon, even though that's not going to happen for me. Um, <laughs> I did a marathon. Use it to go play with your kids. I did a, I did a marathon. We walk every day when I get off of work, you know, I work nine to uh, eight to five and I get off and then, you know, I come home and do the dad thing and then we go for a walk. So, you know, you gotta, you have to find that balance you know, between this and, and, and the podcasting too, because I have to find the balance. I can't do it. Trust me. If, if, if I was to have my schedule open all the time, I would never have time to spend with them. This is why I do this at particular times because I have their, their needs ahead of mine. You know what I mean? Right. But the other thing is part of the reason you're doing this is to make it a better world for those kids. And so, you know, it, why create the better world if you can't make and take the time with the kids. So again, as you said, it's that balancing act. But I appreciate you coming on, Joe. Thank you very, very, very much. We will try to schedule this again, but we'll talk, you know, we'll get more depth with, uh, um, with what's going on with, you know, ADHD and, you know, the kids on the spectrum and how to, how to deal because you just, you have a knowledge that I don't have. And I think my uh, audience would love to learn that from you. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks everybody for tuning Francisco. in. Thank you.